happens like in the history of the league, especially with like, you know, when we're talking about big men is you always get compared to other big men. Um, and sometimes you'll have like an elite dominant big man, like say like Shaq, and then sure. you'll have maybe a nemesis that isn't really like exact same thing. Right. Like I would say Ben Wallace was never like that's, a true, it's good. You know, nemesis, like a true, you know, com- competitor for with Shaq for MVP, but he was a defensive player of the year. So sure. if you stack up an MVP offensive player and a defensive player of the year who play the same position, you're going to have some elite battles, right? I, I'm looking right behind your head and you've got that Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell poster, right? Yeah, like, man. Nobody would confuse those two players as being the same player. But in the end, right, their impact on their team, right? You could make an argument that Bill Russell had a little bit of the um, of the Chet kind of like role where he didn't have to be the best offensive player, sure. you know, he could focus his energy on defense. He also is a competent offensive player. But Will out there, maybe Victor Wembayama. Wimbayama. I swear I can say it easily without, sure. you know. But here we go, dude. I feel like that kind of comp is maybe appropriate. Like maybe not. we're not talking about the same player, but we are talking about two greats entering the league at the same time. I know a lot has um, yet to be proven. But we're talking about at its peak, if we can sure. look back in history and we can be like, this was one of those eras, right? It's going to be, in my opinion, these two guys that bring that out right now. So I feel very hopeful about what's happening. I hope both players reach their potential. I hope we can look sure. back and be like, this was an, one of the great eras of um, big man basketball in history. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, is that um, that's one of the reasons why we started this whole idea of Chet versus Victor without really being Chet versus Victor. But the reality of, of it is, you know, we're super fans in Oklahoma City. You know, we just are. We, we love the Thunder. We've loved Thunder since day one. And so anytime that we're looking at our players, we're automatically already, already going to look at them through rose-colored glasses. Boom. You know, we can say we can be fair as, as much as we want. But we look at these guys and we automatically see the best in each one of them. So, um, you know, that's the whole thing that started. And I, I, I want to say this to any podcast that's starting off or you thinking about starting a podcast. Man, I, not only would I love to have you guys on our show, but um, we would love to be on your show to help out to maybe explain to you guys what our thought behind Chet and why we like to compare these two. Um, to me, it's a no brainer that you can compare them because uh, their size, their abilities, their defensive prowess. I mean, there's so much things that you can bring to the table and say they're very comparable and those those things. So um, you know, that's not what we're comparing. We're, we're comparing how up, strong, how up, strong Smith, mentally Smith. players are. You know, that's what we're comparing. And that's why we say Chet's next level. Has nothing to do with anything else. But when you're comparing a, a player like Chet that has what it takes mentally, and he's not, it's not like we're talking, we're the only people saying this in the NBA. Like there's a lot of people saying Chet has it, you know? And to me, like that's that's the biggest thing, you know? And I still go back to when Chet was like, you know, we talked about last podcast, who's going to be the, uh, who is the best player in the NBA right now? And Chet goes, I will be in two months, you know? And I keep thinking back about that. Like how, like, I get it. I understand. But to be able to come in there and say like, you know, I'm going to be the Shohei, you know? Of the NBA, you know, no one's ever going to see the type of player I'm going to be. And if you think about that, and and you know Shohei and what he's done for baseball with uh, the Angels and being a a pitcher and you know an outstanding pitcher, and then going and, and hitting like 35 bombs or 36 bombs in 
right now and leading the um, Major League Baseball and looking like he could break the record for you know the 62 that that Aaron Judge just put out there. We're, we're talking about legendary stuff here. And, and that's why for us, when we're looking at it, like we did not want uh, Victor to go to anybody else but San Antonio. If you sat us down and said, here's the top seven teams that could get Victor, which of these teams do you want to see get Victor? We would say San Antonio right away. Why? Because we knew that San Antonio would bring out the best in him. And it's going to be a competitive league with him and Chet there. And that's why I get excited about this is like, yeah, like why are we comparing him? Because the comparison's going to start now and it's never going to stop and it's going to continue and it's going to be about rings. It's going to be about MVPs. It's going to be about better players around each player. You know, people will say, well, if Victor had the team that Oklahoma City had, then he would have had nine championships or whatever. Like, that's my point is like, this is what's so exciting about this time for us, guys. That's why we use our, 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 our podcasts and our mics to talk about these players and it offends other players and other people that, that, that listen to us, whether it's the San Antonio people or it's the, you know, Detroit people or the Houston people, they get offended by us. Why? Because we love our team and we're going to talk very positive about it when they don't think very positive about our team. So they're going to get offended when we think that we're better than them because we know we're better than them. You know, like we've done the rebuild better than San Antonio and San Antonio is like, how dare you bleachers ranked us first. You guys got second for youngest team, better younger teams. And it's like, bleacher report, baby. Gotta love it. Um, but it's also like, how can you have the, the youngest core in NBA history and win 40 games and then add Chet and Case and Wallace and not be like, damn, dude, like, damn. Like, so like, that's look, obviously we're pumped up. I, I read all the comments that everybody writes Smith's up. And, and Joseph, what's up guys. What's up, guys? I always read the comments everybody posts, right? And so many people coming keep coming and saying, like, yo, this team could surprise everybody, even the people who are ready to be surprised. Yeah. Um, we can make it to the conference finals. We can make it to the finals. And I feel that energy. Um, there's a huge question mark about have we gone through enough trials and tribulations? Have we earned that? And yep. then there's people who say, like, hey, like sometimes you don't need to go through, you know, every single bad thing we're prepared for it right but if you look at the track record right shay's had three years where he's had play off basketball postseason basketball two of those years were taken to game seven and so he's basically had now four elimination games um maybe actually more if you go back and you look at it like with a thunder i think we had two against the rockets right we had two elimination games and we had um, multi, he probably had multiple elimination games with when he was with the Clippers. Sure. So there's a lot of reasons to say like these guys will trust him as we as we go to battle. That battle, that sense of um, knowing what you're going to get from the guy next to you in a foxhole, is what leads you through experiences where people are like, "You guys are way too young. You guys are way too young to earn this thing. You're never going to be able to." Um, reach your goals because your goals are just way too far out of reach. But then you have a young coach who says, we know from previous experience with the Oklahoma city thunder that sometimes all you get is one chance. Yeah. We should not waste our chance just because we think we're young because we may not all be back here next year on the same exact team. And if we have a chance, we have to seize it right away, which means you have to play locked in basketball for honestly, 
stretches that we haven't seen yet as Thunder fans. Sure. And that's what gets me excited is because I feel like we have the capacity. If we were to play, if you look at um, the same schedule as last year and we we're to say like, take this team and play it, there would be more of the season than not. We played like top tier basketball, yeah. top five in the league on both ends of the, um, of the court. Whereas this last year, we probably had, you know, maybe 35 games where we played elite. Um, and, uh, and maybe honestly is probably lower than that. Maybe like we snuck out a few that we didn't necessarily deserve. So 30 really, really good games. Mm-hmm. And Cody, Robert, like year, what's up guys? We're, we're sitting here. We're talking about, we think we could play 50 really good games. So maybe 60 what's up, Unc? high level games. How does that happen? It happens through uh, maturation and getting reinforcements at key positions and really just having young players step up to the next level, which I mean, look at what Jay Deb did last year and try to not get excited about what he could do in year year two. Dude, we, we you what's take up, Cody, baby, what's up, Robert? What's up, Unc? You take baby steps, right? Mm-hmm. Until you learn how to run. Because think about this, man. Like every single child that you've ever seen, right? The they take these little steps for how long? Like two months, you know, like barely standing up, and the next thing you know, they're running. You know, I think I think, you know, sometimes it's even three months. So I, I kind of look at like months as years in the NBA. You know, like in terms of a baby, once they learn how to, you know, run, you never catch them, you know, like you're constantly running around, you, you know, those things that where people used to click, um, um, vests that they make their children wear, you know, I, I see it once in a while. I don't see it as much leash. as I used to, you know, like, but like back when, yeah, the leash, the dog leash, you know, like, you know, back in the day when that was like, Oh, that's the best way to keep control of your child. You know, like I get it, <laughs> you know, but the reality is where this Thunder team is, is that like. They no longer have that, hey, we're in the rebuild mode mindset. And they're saying, can we do this? Can we win 50? You know, behind the scenes, they're in the locker room talking to each other. And Shay's like, hey, guys, if we do this right, we can win 50 wins. We can go 60 wins. You know, we could do this. We could do that. Like in the next three years, these are the things that we can do. But it starts with what? This year, man. It starts this year. And anybody wants to say, well, yes, I understand. You know, Chet should play 50 games or whatever. You're right. Chet plays as many games as he's ready to play. And after that, guess what? We're sitting in a really good position, man. A really, really good position to be able to sit and watch this team dominate the NBA. And and no matter what we want to say and all the other people in the background saying, the Thunder aren't ready to dominate the NBA. I'm telling you guys, is there has been, I want to say, maybe two teams in the last 40 years that have been built as strong through the draft as the Oklahoma City Thunder. Think about that. Two teams in 40 years. Like, that's how strong this team is. And when everybody starts seeing it this year and understanding, like, wow, look at the different dynamics they bring. Look at the coaching systems. Look at, look at how Sam Presti wheeled and dealed and got this player and this player for almost nothing. You know, like, how did he get Isaiah Joe for nothing? How is he only paying him X amount of money? Like, this is all going to be like, what the hell? It's all this year. Everybody's sitting there and being like, what the fuck's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder? But we are all here. We all see it. We all get to enjoy the beginning part. And now we all get to see and understand that this is the education of the game. You go out there, you rebuild quickly, you win 40 games, and you come back and you put yourself in a position to be a top three team in the West. I mean, that's progression, is it not? That's what it's all about. And we've seen teams take that step and also take a step backwards. And that's why building it the right way is so important because otherwise you'll end up like in this spot. 
we don't want to talk about you know another team like um, the Grizzlies right now. But Jared, you got it right. Wake and bake and basketball. Um, so here's the thing. Oh wait, Jaden. That's what I was about to say, man. I, right. I I like this, man. I got one for you all. Is it possible J Dub or Giddy pop in a year or two and pass Shea on being the number one option? Now, listen, I want to make sure we understand this, and I want to make sure that I say this as clear as I possibly can because Shea is a top five player in the NBA, in my opinion. Okay, so for us to be able to pass Shea, that means that J Dub or Josh Giddy have to do some insane things, and I'm not going to say they're not going to do it. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that Shea or Josh Giddy won't be ahead of, or I'm sorry, J-Dub or Josh Giddy won't be ahead of Shea in MVP votings in a few years, man. Because here's the reality of, of how you build a team, right? Hmm. Is you give these guys each an opportunity to grow. And I watched J-Dub do some insane things. And if J-Dub improves like he did year one from the beginning to the end, if he does that improvement right there in year two, in year three, in year four, how many years is it going to take before J-Dub is 27 years old? And all of a sudden, the player that everybody's like, okay, yeah, that, yeah, who are you going to pick? Shea or J-Dub? And everybody's like, I'm not going to pick that. I mean, am I right? Like, why aren't we? I, I love the fact that you brought that up, Jaden, because we need to be talking about that more. Because at what point does Shea stop getting better, Right. And J-Dub keeps climbing. You know, where's the ceiling? I don't think Shea's done being getting better. I think Shea has a few more years before he's peaking. And that's insane even thinking what Shea's going to be capable of doing. So if Shea's not done peaking, that means that J-Dub has to pick up so much space every single year on Shea to be able to pass Shea. Is that possible? <sighs> Anything's possible. Think about some great teams in the past, like especially it's easy easier for me to think about teams like in the 80s, but you go back further, it happens all the time. If you're talking about true dynasties, right, you're talking about um, a few known ones, like say the Celtics, you've got Bird, McHale, Parrish, and you think, okay, those three guys. But in the end, there were plenty of other guys that really made that squad work. Um, Danny Ainge, I think, was on that team at diff- a point. Um, at one point, Bill Walton was on that team. I don't think he had a huge contribution. But Pete Maravich showed up on that team at one point. Um, there were so many different guys that contributed. Now, those guys were at the end of their career. But for the w- way I see it, like you're going to have to put together more than just these three people. You need to kind of like have a rotation where it goes in. Like You look at um, a guy like Tiny Archibald, right? Mm-hmm. He was the last guy in the NBA to lead the league in assists and points in the same year, as mm. far as I think um, average. But, um, you know, he wasn't, I don't think he was the MVP that year. Right. Um, and my point is, a lot of people looked at what he did a lot like Roger Maris, you know, batting behind Mickey Mantle. Mm. Right. Like, if you don't have Shea Gillis Alexander, will J Dub really do what he's doing? He's doing it because he's going up against the second best defender Absolutely. and the teams can't help off of Shea. So they'll use that kind of to like discredit and maybe it will be true. Maybe there will be players out there who aren't like quite as good. Um, like Shea might be the better player, 
but J-Dub averages a higher percentage because people know if you don't stop Shay, then you're never going to stop the beast. All right, Unc. How you doing, man? I agree. Yeah, man. So, hey, Uncle, who do you think will average more points, J-Dub, um, Chet, or Giddy this coming year? Ooh, that's a good one, Mark. I get that vibe too. Yeah, yeah. the athleticism from um, from the guard position, you know, with a with a big, you know, almost forward sized body, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly, man. Yeah. I I think it's going to come down to, and this is just me, but the defensive-minded set that J-Dub has. You know, like, Shea is a phenomenal defender. I'm not taking away from Shea at all. He locks down guys like, like crazy. But J-Dub's ability to get the steals, to uh, um, recognize the defense and, and, and stop the driver, to be able to get blocked shots, you know, like, like, the the ability that he brings to the table makes him look more of a complete player in in my mind and five years down the road. Just because I, I again, I know shame on me for saying that J Dub could end up being a better complete player than Shea because what Shea brings to the table is phenomenal. His scoring ability is going to be legendary, but J Dub's ability to shut down the best defender as a rookie is scary. Ooh. Ooh. five yeah. yes i think I, we have I five think so I, we, we, we could have six if we trade a player but we have yeah. we have five guys that'll be future all let's stars. count them real quick we got we think chet will be that we think giddy has that opportunity we know shay is that yep. um i feel confident about j-dub developing in, into that um and I have a really good feeling that if you tell me that Kaysen Was or Usman Jang would eventually turn into an all-star, I'd be like one of those guys. I I don't want to throw I want to throw out Poku as well, man. 
I think Poku mm. could turn into a if he if he can listen. That's that's five years down the road because Poku's got a lot of stuff he can has to work on. But Poku, in my my opinion, is the dark horse on the team for eventually being a All Star. Yep. He pushed other people around. Yeah. And and we we know the way that Shay's um um coming out of the game. You know, we know there's 5 to 7 minutes <laughs> that he's going to be out of the game twice. You know, and 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 knowing that is understanding what team is going to be in there to uh stop the bleed essentially. And that's what's going to be exciting to me is how coach D prepares for those moments because we need to continue to get Shay those, you know, massive breaks like that. If we can get him a quarter break a game, and he's only playing three quarters and we're able to win. That's, I mean, that's key right there because we, you know, we know Shea can score 30 points in, in three quarters. There's right. no doubt what, about that. What's up, um, Jared. What's up, Nancy, Nancy, um, Jared, James. I, I, I dig it. What you're saying. Um, Jared, when you say when outsiders have a problem with us having like saying we have too much talent, it's like, <laughs> not a real thing, guys. It's not a real thing. Just rotate, man. He's got to rotate. <laughs> All right, Unc, we love you, man. Thank you. Hey, real quickly, Unc, before you go, so you're going to leave here, and then you're going to go to the um, um, second link I sent you, and then it will upload. So if you go to the comments, the first link I sent up there. Well, if that, do that if um, if it doesn't work, if like waiting in, in the thing. But stick around in the chat, and we'll let you know. We'll keep an eye on it and let yeah, you know. Yeah. All, All right, right, man. Buddy. Appreciate it. So, yeah, dude, I'm I'm a huge fan of like over overstaffing us with all star talent and then yeah. making um, Get Coach Dagnalt's job really hard on trying to figure out using analytics. Maybe, dude, they can they can use some AI bullshit and they can be like, okay, I've got seven all stars. How can I fit all of them into you know get enough playing time where they're all completely satisfied? Sure. Like sure, I don't man. I don't know how that works exactly, but the way I see it is if you actually are, if all the guys or a number of the guys that we're mentioning do become all-stars and we continue to add other teams, um, you know, picks like Houston, we're talking about the Clippers who are maybe talking about going through a rebuild right now. Like there's a lot of value in all of a sudden adding like the number eight pick who has a system where there's a pathway. If he follows it, he could also become an all-star. I mean, I, I look at each one of these players and I'm, and I'm saying if we have five or six all-stars on this team that we're watching, um, that means that we're going to end up with what two or three of the greatest 75 or the greatest hundred players. I mean, think about that in the next 25 years, if we have 
five to six all-stars on the team, this team, that means that we've gone and won multiple championships. <laughs> and if we've won multiple championships in the course of a 25 um, time or year time span, there's no way that we don't see at least two of the greatest hundred players in the history of the game that are going to be playing in front of us. And, and to me, that's like, yes, we're talking 25 years down the road and that's, you know, 24 years down the road, whatever it is now, that's an enormous amount of time. But I look at this team, Mark, and I look at the way they've been built. I look at how solid they are. And I look at the, the strength of being able to have multiple MVP caliber players on this team. And it's like, oh, shit, man. This, this is what is exciting. This is what makes me pumped up. Because who would have ever thought when we drafted KD and, and Russ that they would end up being in the top 75 of all time? You know, Who would have ever thought? that um, Chris Paul and, and some of these other guys that we had the privilege of seeing not once, but twice in their careers, you know, like these are the guys that we have the privilege of Oklahoma city thunder fans or Oklahoma city basketball fans because of the Hornets. Thank you. You know, like we've had these privileges to be able to watch these players that are unbelievable in front of us. And I, I think that's what I keep going back to is that, you know, Sam Presti's not doing what he's doing for the next five years of the organization. He's not doing it for seven years. He's not doing it for 10 years. He's not doing it for 15 years. He's doing it for the next, you know, 25, 30 years of the NBA because the stuff he's setting up now is going to be able to continue down the road when he's gone, long after he's gone. And I, that's what gets me pumped about this team. And that's what makes me excited about this team because if this team is as good as we think it's going to be, like we're predicting it's going to be, that we've put our names on the line that's going to be, right? Then guess what? This team wins championships and we all get front rows of it because we've been sitting there saying this team is going to do that when everybody else is like, oh, well, this team's going to be solid for 10 years. And we're like saying, fuck that shit, man. No, we're not looking for solid for 10 years. That's not what we're looking for. We want dominance for 10 years. Yeah, if you take away Shea and you say Chet, Giddy, and um, and J-Dub, like James is saying, you got Chet is going to dominate on defense, Giddy is going to be a monster facilitator, and J-Dub is going to be a monster sco- scoring the ball. And then you add an MVP candidate to that group. Then you add an all-defensive player with, with Dort. Then you add Who set records last year for the stuff that he does. What's up, Wayne? Insane. Exactly, man. It's it. You can just start stacking this stuff on top of each other. And like, like the other day, you were asking me, like, does another team have a shooter like um, Isaiah Joe coming off the bench? Well, like the answer is no, because there's only a couple of shooters as good as Isaiah Joe. It's but which Joe, one of them can do play defense as well? And that's the thing about Isaiah Joe. He brings. And you have the best charge takers in the league. You have. <laughs> Isaiah Joe is another guy that takes charges, bro. He had a ton of them last year, man. I honestly think like out of young teams I've ever seen, I've never seen a team this tough as an out in the playoffs. And when you talk about Josh Giddy, and a lot of people do, like there's this idea that like, well, his shooting needs to improve, um, you know, whatever. Like in the end, when his biggest games were there, he had his biggest scoring outputs. He made his biggest (laughs) impact. So true. Whether it's he, Madison he Square Garden, Lakers. Right. I mean, right. but in the in the end, there's no moment that's too big for him. So no. if you have a gamer like that and he's willing to put the work in, you know the improvement will happen. You just have to like continue to like trust in the development process and 
we know the guys are doing that. That's like not even a question, which for NBA teams, it's pretty rare that players do that. But for our team, it's not even a question. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I look at like the Showtime Lakers or the early Celtics where you look at like Russell and Kuzi and, you know, then you go down the list of like Havlicek and all these other guys too. It's not just the two guys. Like when you think the great Lakers – like of the of the late '90s, early 2000s, and you you know you think about Shaq and Kobe, but when you think about the Sonics, not, not the Sonics. I'm sorry, sorry. Um, when you think about the Spurs, you think about you know close Robinson. You think about Duncan. You think about Ginobili. You think about Parker. You think about mm. Leonard. You think about these guys that all these guys who had their turn. That's what this is about. That's mm. why we look at it. and We're like, yeah, these guys good past Shea. Like Shea could be the third best player of that group. But if that happens, you know, I mean, we're talking about a lot of rings, man. That's a lot of hardware. Well, I mean, even if we don't get a lot of rings, like there's still an opportunity for us to have drafted James Harden, um, KD and um, Russ, you know, like that's what's crazy. So if, if this crashes and burns, we still get to watch some of the greatest basketball, you know, for the next like seven years, five years. Yeah, I don't have an issue with that, man. Like, you know my biggest thing that I want everybody to look at and recognize is that the Oklahoma city thunder have been built for longevity. So if did crash and burn in five years, that means something really bad happened, you know? And if that's the case, then that's the case. So I, to me, I'm looking at this and I'm saying like, for me, I'm looking at it and saying, we are about to witness the beginning of the end of the NBA. That's it, baby. The beginning of the end, because when, when it's all said and done, when teams recognize that they won't be able to compete with the Oklahoma city thunder, they won't be able to rip away any of the players. They're not going to be able to break in into the locker room and be like, Hey, come on, you know, Draymond, come on, KD, come hang out with us tonight. You know, there's not going to be any of that shit anymore. You're not going to take KD from us. You're not going to take, get Draymond and KD to be best friends there. You know, like what we have created in this Oklahoma city thunder and the brotherhood that we all represent in Oklahoma city is insane bro it is insane because you look at shay you look at dort you got canadians in there we got real canadians on our team bro like how exciting is that like true real canadians on our team and then you look at we've got um we've got a few americans in there that's cool you know we got france represented we've got australia represented by two phenomenal players i mean poku's represented i'm gonna call it poku's country you know who cares about Jokic? um you know, like we could go down the road, guys. Like when we when we started this whole worldwide Thunder family, like this was what we wanted to start. It's not just American basketball anymore. I mean, it's not. It's worldwide. Like our Thunder family, I mean, we find out every day new countries that listen to us. And it's exciting to me because like we're not just, you know, a one trick pony here in Oklahoma City anymore. We're not relying only on American talent. We're not. We have so many different countries represented, and it's so many different countries represented at a high level, man. That's it, baby. I love it, man. What's up, Tanner? Appreciate you joining us. We appreciate everybody joining us out there. On a Saturday morning. And Unc, we appreciate you. I feel like recently with Unc, it's been kind of like Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. It's like, I'm sorry, Unc, we don't have time for you. No, I'm just kidding. It's just... We've had some trouble with the uploads and we're hoping that it's solved and we get unk on the full broadcast. We appreciate you guys 
Um, and Unk, real quickly before we go, I know you're listening still. There's a second website I posted on the chat here. Um, go ahead and click it um, and make sure that your um, video has been uploaded so everybody else will be able to hear you talk as well. So, Yeah, that's at the beginning. Did you want to post that again for him, Dave? Yeah. And then also one more thing too, if you guys, um, Unk is not on the podcast, you guys jump back to the live show on YouTube. Um, and then we'll go ahead and, uh, be able to see, uh, Unk. So for those people that aren't able to see him on, um, I don't know, dude, that's not working. I swear it's not working. We will figure it out. (laughs) Here we go. Dashboard. I'm just going to click that. Copy. Um, and when we figure it out, Peace. everybody will know Unk is real and not right. just in our heads. And there we go. It's up there, guys. Um, I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. <laughs>